Baker and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Chef James Houghton, the Director of Culinary at Trincaro Family Estates, one of the leading producers in Napa Valley with over 50 wine and spirit brands in their portfolio, where he creates incredible culinary experiences and serves as the winery's ambassador, whether it's on the Travel Channel, the Food Network, and beyond. I am so excited to welcome Chef James to the podcast. Hey, Chef. Hey, how are you? I am good. I was looking back uh-huh. and I realized, I think I first met you in 2016. That because, sounds right. Yes. <laughs> which seems like a lifetime ago, but um, I remember there was the 25th annual, and I guess that seems like a long time ago too, uh-huh. Sutter mm-hmm. Home Build a Better Burger Cook-Off, which uh-huh. I was yes. a guest judge. Uh-huh. And then there was another event with Castello. Sure. Yeah, that, yeah, Simon. that's right. Yeah, when with the um, the cheeses, correct? The we cheese. did a big cheese pairing. And, and what I remember, sorry, what I remember about the burger cook off is that I think you were sitting right next to me and um, you were making comments, you were trying the burgers, and you were commenting on your blog all at the same time. And my head was spinning. I'm like, I don't know how you keep that all straight. So, uh, <laughs> That was I great. I was probably just spouting out <laughs> words. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, I do remember the thing with Michael Simon. That was a lot of fun too. A lot of cheese and wine and building cheese plates. Building so. cheese boards. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful day too. That was such a gorgeous, gorgeous mm-hmm. day. Um, and I could have sworn that there was one more mm-hmm. event. Okay. Just tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. But there was an event where I believe we were in one of the tasting rooms. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like it might've been downstairs somewhere, very dark. <laughs> okay. And there was a flight and I believe you were kind of guiding us through a flight of wines and then also just kind of guiding our palates through, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that was for, but right. that stands yeah. out to me too. Sure. Yeah, that did happen. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, and it was down in a reserve room. You're right. And what we did is we walked you and some other folks through a, um, a what we call a, a food and wine sort of exercise. And we sort of do a, a food and wine uh, balance sort of thing. We call it taste balance, um, where we try different dominant tastes and see how they affected wine. So is okay. that, does that sound yes. right? <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not feeling like crazy, but okay. I was trying, I seriously was going through my inbox mm-hmm. trying to find, you know, when that was and mm-hmm. if that for sure happened. But I just do remember thinking at the time that everybody who enjoys wine should experience that class because it was so enlightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people say that and it really distills it down to just the basics. So you can really understand you know, kind of on a, um, again, a really basic level, just how to pair food and wine without it being overly complicated. Right. Okay. We'll talk about that in a bit, but okay. I always start off by asking, <laughs> what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Oh, um, uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> here we go. There may, there may be some fact checking by my mother and maybe my older sister on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, I was lucky enough to, um, we have a family summer place in upstate New York in the Adirondack park. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful place on a lake and it's been there for uh, generations and it's still in the family. And we would spend summers up there when I was very young and we would go blueberry picking. Um, And what I remember is um, we would have these uh, old coffee cans, like the old metal coffee cans that you go Mm -hmm. out with. And 
fill those up. And it, it really felt like forever to fill the thing, especially as a young kid. <laughs> I, I, it probably didn't help that I ate probably half of what yeah, I was going to say. As well. So, um, and then um, we take him back to the house, so on and so forth. And then I don't think it was that afternoon, but the next day um, we would make uh, blueberry muffins. And I remember making these with my sister. Uh, and then also blueberry pancakes as well was the big deal. And uh, I remember just her teaching me how to wait for the bubbles. You know, you're just anticipating as a little child, you know, the bubbles to pop across yeah. the top and then kind of looking at underneath to see if it's cooked and then just waiting and waiting, and waiting until you could flip it. Um, so that's kind of what I remember. And then making the blueberry muffins, muffins, of course. Um, and there's, there's just like a little side note to that is that, um, my great grandmother was actually, I guess, quite a good cook and, um, her children, which would be my grandmother, uh, and her four sisters and brother put together a little cookbook, like self-published, you know, uh -huh. of all their favorite recipes growing up. So these are always kick around the house and around with relatives. Um, and that blueberry muffin recipe was in that book as well. So, and there's some other stuff in there, um, that I've cooked over the years. A lot of it, you know, it's from a time where, you know, now you'd want to bring your cardiologist with you, you know, if you're cooking a lot of stuff, <laughs> but there's some great delicious recipes in there as well. I am mm. so glad that they preserve that mm. in a yeah. cookbook because I think that's, mm. you know, one of the things that a lot of people today kind of miss the fact mm -hmm. that nobody really writes down recipes. Right. So it's, that's a treasure. Yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. So it's fantastic to have, and you're right. Yeah. People don't write them down. They just, you know, it's just, and uh, they get a little bit diluted, I guess, over time. So, and write your recipes down, right? Yeah, I think it's super mm. important. So is that where the love of mm. cooking began? How did you find your way into a career of food? Well, yeah, I mean, I loved, yeah, that was great. I certainly loved to eat as a child as well. Um, and I did sort of all the normal, well, maybe I shouldn't say normal, but, you know, I, I did like to bake and those sort of things in the kitchen. And then I graduated to a grill, you know, at some age uh -huh. <laughs> at that point. Um, but I actually, I went to school for marine biology originally oh, and okay. then, yeah. And then ended up with an urban planning and uh, photography degree. So you can see I'm using that <laughs> intensely right now. <laughs> so, um, and it was, you know, a few years after college, well, I should go back a bit. In college, I was always cooking for friends, you know, and parties and all that. Um, I didn't really know anybody in the business. I had one good friend that had trained in France and he had worked for um, Charlie Trotter. So he was, a, he knew quite a bit. Um, but other than that, we were uh, building barbecues. And what we used to do is um, after college, uh, there was a sort of a jazz festival that happened once a month in the neighborhood where I lived. And uh, we would go to the music and then come back to the house. And we had already had two huge smokers and that we'd made out of refrigerators and then oh. have all, and we'd invite everybody back. This friend of mine, and we'd just go buy all this chicken and brisket. And, and then, so these, these sort of impromptu barbecue parties became famous and we got, we had fun with it and we entered a few contests and, um, after that we won a few little things and then someone's like, you should really, you know, do this professionally. And as I looked into it, you know, it was like, okay, um, long hours, lots of physical work, mm -hmm. you know, low wages. 
are you nuts? But after several years of kind of back and forth, I decided just to kind of take the dive and go to culinary school. And it's actually funny. There's a um, there's an essay I read uh, from Anthony Bourdain, and uh, I think it's in one of his books, Medium Raw. And I think there's an essay that says something like, so you want to be a chef, okay? <laughs> and it's all about that going into the field at a later age and and it's written obviously only in a way that you know anthony could write uh it's quite humorous and uh had i read that or actually had it more accurately had it been written when i was thinking about this i i might not have gone into the field but uh here we are so hopefully that that uh, answers your question. Well, I think it worked out. I think, yeah, that would probably intimidate anybody. So maybe it's a good thing that wasn't published yet. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But you went to the New New England Culinary Institute, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Okay. I actually, well, I was really sad to hear that it closed recently. Yeah. Um, That was a surprise. It was. And I actually do remember I had a meal at the restaurant Mm -hmm. And that really was, you know, it made an impression Mm -hmm. on me because, you know, obviously, like for people who don't know, they had a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It was completely run by the culinary students. Correct. From from the service Mm -hmm. to, of course, Mm -hmm. the kitchen. So that was really, really a special experience. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. And um, they had that and they had a bakery in in Mm -hmm. town there. And they had the chef's table, which is sort of their fine dining. And um, yeah, it was a great place. Uh, you know, when I jumped into this world, I I, I went to culinary school because I kind of needed a jump start, you know, right, on right. The, on this. And um, the student ratio was great. It was seven to one per the instructor, and you could really get your hands on. And and like you just said, you had a wonderful meal, and it was produced by the students there. So um, yeah, times have changed, huh? Yeah. It's, I know. It is sad. Well, what brought you to the Napa Valley? So um, after school, you know, I worked, I was working on Cape Cod and um, at some good restaurants out there. And, but for me, you know, just to kind of bring it around to wine a bit is that I always felt, and not all chefs feel this and it's, it's not a huge deal, but you know, wine was just a super important part of a meal for me. Mm -hmm. It was sort of, it sort of completed the whole circle of, the experience of your friends, the guests, the wine, the food. And um, so I figured what better place to go right here in this country is go out to Napa Valley. You know, that's where everything was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I literally, um, as they say, I jumped on a plane and had my knife bag and, you know, I, I, that's about it. <laughs> wow. So there was no offer in hand, no, no, no major plans? nothing. I just, I kind of knew if you showed up, with your knife bag and you did okay. And um, restaurants are always looking for people. So um, I I got here and I came up to the Napa Valley and I checked out a couple places. And one was uh, this restaurant Bricks. It was just still here, but it was a different chef and a whole different cuisine at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, can you start today? <laughs> so, um, wow. And then there, and then a few other restaurants up in down the valley, and then um, I landed here at Trinquero Family Estates uh, several years later. So, how was that transition going from a restaurant kitchen to working at the winery? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of you know, yes, f- restaurant kitchens are are crazy places. We all know that, and um, so the pace obviously was a little bit different. 
And it was kind of a welcome uh, reduction <laughs> at I the bet. time. <laughs> and uh, I, I won't lie there. Um, however, um, the pressures are still there. The pressures are different. Um, the way we do things here is we have, you know, we may have a beautiful El Fresco meal. I think when you were up here, that's what we did with Michael Simon, you know, out on the mm-hmm. patio, or we might have a, a really high end dinner where we're doing, you know, single vineyard wines with seven or eight courses. Um, so, or we're doing all our educational pieces where we're doing the food and wine pairing. So each day is different. Um, some days are really, really, really busy. Like, uh, like it would be in a restaurant, but other days are a little bit more casual and you can kind of look out at the vineyards and kind of, you know, take in life as it were. I can imagine mm-hmm. that it was probably so nice to not have to have like your crazy evenings, mm-hmm. you know, until late, late at night mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I Did think you... I lived in chef clothes for about, you know, six years. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Did you feel like you had enough wine knowledge when you started? Yeah, I think so. You know, I was always interested in the subject and you can be the thing, great thing about wine and, and cooking too, is you, you can kind of, there's enough resources out there to sort of, if you have the discipline um, <laughs> to uh, be self-taught on a lot of things um, and had some mentors. And then of course here at the winery, I, I stepped my game up and I learned a lot. You know, the one thing about cooking and and wine and all these things is that you never stop learning. You never know all the cuisines. I see something new every single day, some food item. And that's what kind of keeps me going and and makes it so exciting. It's like, wow, how have I never heard of this dish before? You know, how have I never cooked this? So, and wine was sort of the same thing, you know, and I did study for a few different certificates while I've been here at the winery over the years, which sort of crash course me into other wines. But um, and then our sort of philosophy on wine and pa- food and wine pairing rather uh, has kind of been developed over the years. So we ended up with a program that you saw a few years ago. So I know people probably ask you this all the time, but uh-huh. for people who are listening, <laughs> what, are okay. your, what are your pairing tips? Oh, okay. Um, no, these, that's a, a excellent question. So um, if I can, I'll try and, so I'm a very visual person, okay? So mm-hmm. I will try and in a, in a verbal way to explain some, a couple of really basics about food and wine pairing. So one is if I can talk about our taste balance. So the dominant taste of anything you eat or drink is going to taste, change the way the next thing tastes, okay? So if you take your five, five basic tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter and then savory or umami, um, all of those in a dominant taste in a food is going to affect the way the wine tastes. Okay. Uh, the virtual example I use, you know, you brush your teeth, you've had orange juice right after it, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Delicious. So it's sour, it's acidic, you know, and the toothpaste, the dominant property in there has changed. So the same thing with sort of wine, you know, and if you can kind of think of it this way, uh, salt and acidity. Okay. Those two actually make, if, if, if a dish is really high in acid and salt, like a really high acid tomato sauce, or it has a lot of lemon in it, or it's really salty, it's going to make a wine taste a little bit milder. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to taste it a little bit softer, a little bit fruitier, a little bit less acidic, a little bit less tannic. So it sort of softens wines. Mm-hmm. Now the other two dominant tastes on the other hands, which would be sweetness, okay, and savory, 
Um, let me throw bitter in there. In my experience, bitter just makes things more bitter. <laughs> it sort of increases it. So right. exponentially, if you will. And um, so with savory, again, um, and sweetness, those make wines taste stronger. So more, more acidic, less fruit, more tannic, higher alcohol, all those type of things. And I think that's the exercise um, right. going back that we went through. And it really, it, it does put a light bulb on for most people because you're like, oh, I get it. If I have something really sweet, it's going to make these wines. Like if you had something really sweet with a cab, Cabernet Sauvignon, it's going to make it seem really tannic and really um, high alcohol. Uh, it really brings out the oak and it knocks down the fruit, you know, all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So, and then on the opposite end, the acidity, uh, that's what works out for that. So um, those are my basic tips when you think about food and wine pairing. So if a dish is really acidic, you know, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's going to kind of make wines a little bit softer. Um, and then if a dish is really sweet or has a lot of sweet elements to it, then it can make it uh, much stronger. Is, does that sound helpful or is oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. And I'm remembering when we did that exercise and how like you could take one glass of wine and then maybe, you know, start off with, you know, whatever the blandest of foods right and then like yeah. and then taste different you know let's mm -hmm. just say cheeses for example sure like, get through this you know savory and then like then to completely contrast take a bite of a lemon or something really like sour yeah and then just juxtapose that against that it's so interesting just to see how you know right everything changes yeah and uh, and the uh, an extreme example of that is um if you have a wine that has uh sweetness to it or residual sugar uh and you have the lemon and then you go back to that sweet wine, all of a sudden it tastes like uh, people yes. say Kool-Aid or sugar water, you know, it just really enhances the sweetness, kind of yeah. really knocks the acid out. And then you have uh, on the opposite end of that, you go back with the sweetness and then you have a sweet wine or something with the residual sugar. And then all of a sudden, oh, it doesn't, the wine doesn't taste sweet anymore and it tastes acidic and it doesn't taste fruity that's kind of the basics of it right there. Um, and when, and people are like, well, how do you use this in a real world? And all you have to do is kind of think about your food um, and think, okay, this is kind of acidic. This is what makes it acidic. And this is, um, again, uh, this is more of a savory type dish. So this should be okay. So the holidays are coming up. Uh huh. What do you like to serve at your holiday meals? Oh, um, well, I guess for lack of a, more interesting answer. <laughs> I, I do, I do sort of like the traditional sort of things, but there's one, there's one recipe that I've been doing for years and people go crazy for it. For some reason, I use a, like a white flesh, sweet potato or boniato sweet potato, and which is real creamy. Mm -hmm. And I take vanilla beans and I infuse it into the cream and then, you know, just make it like a traditional whipped sweet potato. Right. And people are like, what is in here? And um, there's no sugar or anything like that. Um, it's just that vanilla that picks up in the sweet potatoes. Really, really good. Oh, that's really a lot good. of fun. Okay, yeah. what would you pair with that? That I do. Oh, you know, I've actually, it's pretty versatile. So I've done like a braised short rib with that. Um, just a simply seared chicken breast. Um what else have we done with it? Grilled pork chop, you know, those sort of things on its own. It's great. It makes actually a great centerpiece for a vegetarian uh, yeah. plate as well. So um, this time of year, 
uh, people seem to really sort of gravitate towards us more comfort type foods, if you mm -hmm. will. Oh, definitely. Okay, so if people mm -hmm. are going to be visiting the Napa Valley in the near future, mm -hmm. I know things sure. have changed uh, with protocols and stuff, and sure. things are opening up again. Yeah, what they are. Would, mm -hmm. What would you tell them? How should they prepare? Um, one is, is, this is kind of key, reservations for sure, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's because everything is crowded and we're just like everybody else, you know, we're short on staff, wineries, tasting rooms are short on staff and everybody's working really hard and it's really exciting to see people back up here and tasting wine, you know, kind of the way it used to be. Um, so reservations, uh, definitely try and get those if you can. Um, other than that, you know, we're, we're open and, um, the, uh, you know, some have, you know, we have the mass protocols, but when you get in there and you're at your table, you know, you're free to, to enjoy your wines and that sort of thing as well. So, um, yeah, just come on up. Absolutely. When's your favorite time in the Valley? Um, and be honest, like, if oh, that means, yeah, like, yeah. I have like, to say, people aren't there, right. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not when, when the tourists aren't here. Yeah. No, not that. Um, actually right now right now. This is my favorite time. Everybody does want to come out during harvest, but I like it just, we're just finishing up a crush or harvest right now. And it's beautiful. And, um, I have to say it's raining, which, um, I'm really happy about. Yes. <laughs> Obviously we are because of our water situation and we all know about fires. Yes. So uh, that it's raining and it's just beautiful here. We do get that uh, light variation if you will into the fall colors on the vineyards and it's just it's really pretty up here this time of year i it's like it gorgeous mm -hmm. it's been a while since when was the last time it's been a while? oh no a few months ago <laughs> i did go up never mind okay okay <laughs> um but it's not just about wine there because you get to play around with other things and i saw on your instagram that you were making saba yes can you yes. tell everyone about saba <laughs> and what it is sure sure saba or um uh, Vincoto is another word for it. Um, and different, you know, different regions of Italy, you know, call it different things. And so Saba basically is, um, we get fresh, uh, you take freshly pressed grape juice, grape must, and before it goes into fermentation or any of those sort of things, um, we, you just cook it down and they used to cook it down in kettles and that sort of thing. And you cook it probably by two thirds and it becomes this sweet, delicious, sort of syrup at that point and um you use it to it's a condiment and you, you drizzle it over um parmesan cheese or strawberries or ice cream or um you can use it in we make a dish here that's sort of a savory budino which is uh Ooh. yeah with parmesan and and uh, we do a, a sort of an apple fennel slaw with that and we drizzle the saba over that so it's kind of I don't know. I'm sure somebody else is making it, but I'm lucky enough to have a couple of really good friendly winemakers that were nice enough to drop some off to me, um, some fresh juice that they had just pressed that morning. Um, and before it started going into fermentation, yeah, you saw it cooking down. Yeah. That's great. So, so we're going to bottle of, that. Is it kind of like a, almost like a balsamic type of reduction? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be exactly very, very similar to that. Mm. Um, but wouldn't have the vinegar elements to it. So, so it's not as pungent. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit more sweet. And the, the balsamic I tasted, I mean, the Sauvignon Blanc, I should say, I tasted the other day. And it was really interesting. It was, it was 
and I'm I'm gonna send you a bottle once I get in a bottle and oh, you can yay. try it out. Yeah. I can't so, wait. Yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um and speaking of balsamic, I'm making balsamic too, although that is a big trial and error thing. So <laughs> you the same thing happens. You take the the juice and you don't cook it as much. Um oh. yeah, you bring it down a little bit and that you have to be very careful of the temperature because you can kill off things that makes it, you know, go into the vinegar stage. And I had that in a couple of barrels. And then um, hopefully we're making some each year. And if it's doing what it's supposed to do, then we transfer it to the separate um, barrels, six different barrels over time. Um, wow. Yeah. And then until it gets into a little small barrel at the end, and it's just like this beautiful, you know, delicious syrup as well. I so, love it. It's not just yeah. wine. Do no. you guys mm -hmm. um, bottle Verjou? Uh, we don't. We don't bottle Verjou. Um, we probably could, but yeah. And Verjou, though, I love the Verjou. Um, I cook with that all the time. It's fantastic. But it's another sort of byproduct of freshly pressed grape juice as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're running low on time, but I have. Oh shoot. Okay. <laughs> it went fast. I could just talk to you all day about. Oh this. yeah. Um, we'll come up to the winery and we'll show you yeah. around again. And have fun up here. Oh, I know. It'd be so fun to have a more low-key <laughs> low yes. Um, But I just have a quick, some quick closing questions. Okay, sure. What is something that you like to make when you're too tired to cook? Like a go-to emergency dinner or maybe something you want to cook on your day off? <laughs> oh, um, okay. Uh, let's see. Now, well, this is, so people are probably going to cringe at this answer, but <laughs> when I was working in the restaurants a lot, and I don't know if this is a chef thing or not. I, I know a few other people. Late at night, I get home. I'm having a bowl of cereal with some cool milk on top of it because it's one is I'm there's no cooking involved, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, some granola or something with some nuts in it. And then you've got one spoon, one bowl to rinse out and then right. you're done and you feel good to throw some fresh fruit on it. But um, and actually I'm the a pop cultural reference. The other day I was watching the movie chef and mm -hmm. he was eating a bowl of cereal. I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> there we go. It's true. But however, the, other than that, I always, I love a warm goat cheese salad. So mm -hmm. I, I always have green. It sounds challenging, but it, it's not. I always have some kind of vinaigrette in the fridge. I always have some greens and I always have a, lo a log of um, I guess this is a plug of the Laura Chanel, you know, chef. <laughs> and Very good. All, yeah. All I do is, slice off a couple of wheels, throw it on a piece of toast in the oven, throw the greens together. And I have just really a delicious, a delicious salad. Oh, so that sounds good. Yeah. Well, I totally relate to the cereal thing because I think <laughs> if I ever have to pick like a midnight snack, I'm very guilty of this. Yes. I will go for the cereal. And sometimes I just skip the milk and I literally just grab it by the handful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pour it right out of the box, you know, into your hand. Uh, what's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, wow. Well, they're all my children, but um, I would say <laughs> there is a, there's a Thai curry that I've made and developed over the years, you know, and with pure lime leaf and all the real deal in it. And I love that. And people just seem to somehow I hit a note with that one and people love it. I even served it at my wedding. So no uh, yeah. And the one great thing about that is it's so versatile. If you want vegetarian, you know, you just throw the veg in there. If you want piece of chicken or something like that, or a piece of fish, if you want it with rice, it's, I just, yeah, it's my go-to for sure. Oh, I for love sure. a good Thai curry. So that yeah. sounds amazing. Okay. I think I know the answer, but I ask this of everybody. Are you a okay. messy cook or a neat cook? Well, I, I okay. 
let's say I, at work, I'm very neat. You know, <laughs> everything has to be said. And at home, I try to start out neat, but sometimes it, I, I look around, I'm like, what am I doing? I was like, and I'll have to stop, you know, and kind of get things reorganized. So I'm probably a little of both, I would wow. say. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good kitchen tip? Oh, um, wow. So for, I don't know if this is not really a cooking tip, but one thing that I find is that, well, there's the obvious, you know, a sharp knife. You'd be amazing how many mm -hmm. beautiful knife sets I've seen in people's homes and the knives are dull. <laughs> I'm <too>. like, <laughs> you just sharpen them. So learn how to sharpen your knives and it, it makes your life so much easier. Oh my gosh, if that's a sharp. But my other thing too is, this is sort of a pet peeve of mine, is warm your plates. You spent all that time putting together a beautiful meal and then you put it onto this cool or room temperature plate and it just, it'll suck the life right out of your dish, the, the heat really. So um, it's not much, you know, just pop them in the oven for a few minutes and it, it just makes everybody happy, you know, with, with a warm plate in front of them. That's and it'll, a it'll, tip. it'll show off your food so much better. Of course, unless you're serving something cool, we know that. So. Yeah, then don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great tip. Okay, and then I like to share five little things on my site mm -hmm. where just something that made you smile or happy. Is there something good that you experienced this week? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's always something. So we have, um, you know, and a family meal pretty much with our staff every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and I try to do it how they do it when I was, I was in Europe and traveled around a little bit. And um, I worked a few kitchens just dodging and we always had meals together. Now I have to admit, you know, chefs will go, ah, it's not true because, you know, a lot of times in the restaurant, you're standing in the corner eating some cold pasta, you know, <laughs> just before service. But here at the winery, we've always sort of made that a tradition, you know, before or after, um, and we have some beautiful settings and you've been up here and seen it where we can sit and have this meal together. And our steward, Floor, she's from El Salvador and she made these papusas this week that were Ooh. outrageous. And she was so proud and she was very specific in how I was going to be eating it and putting it together. And um, she should be because they were absolutely wonderful. And and we have, you know, in, in my kitchen, um, my one of my executive Sue is from the Philippines and she makes just crazy adobo. Yay. And then yeah. <laughs> and uh and Eric is his family's all from Mexico and he makes a, a great pozole. And our front of the house person, she's Korean and she's always got some kimchi going on uh as well. So um we just it's great. We all sit down together and we'll put these meals together. And I just think that always makes me happy. And I just, you know, maybe I'm a bit of a Pollyanna or an optimist, but if we could all just get around a big table, you know, and share a meal and a bottle of wine, I'm not saying it's going to solve all the problems, but it would be a really good start. I so. couldn't agree more. I totally think that that would, it wouldn't solve problems, but it yeah. definitely <laughs> would be a good step in the right direction. Yeah. How could you so, not connect over yeah. food? Yeah. People connect over food. It's the, it's a, it's a really common thing we have and it's, it's a great place to do that. Well, chef, you're, mm. you're living the dream up there yeah. and I hope to get up and visit you again soon. Thank you for spending time with me today. All right. Thank you, Laren. And please come up and see us. That'd I be will. Great. I will. Okay. All Take right. Care. Happy cooking. Cheers. 
I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Chef James Houghton for joining us today. Chatting with him reminds me how special it is in the Napa Valley and how sharing a good glass of wine and food just makes life so deliciously rich. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.